I'm here with Cameron Frad. You've been here recording uh, a Women Made New episodes, right? That yes. you, you have a chapter in Kristalina's book. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tell us a little about your work there. Um, so the chapter I wrote is on lies, lies that we have women, well, guys also have lies that you believe about yourself, but mm -hmm. I know a little more about lies that we as women yeah. believe about ourselves and um, calling them out, bringing it into the light, talking about um, how Satan is very subtle. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we, oftentimes I struggled, especially in high school, believing these lies as truths. I thought it was who I was mm -hmm. and I wasn't good enough. I wasn't um, smart enough. I was too much, too big of a personality mm -hmm. and ways that uh, Satan kind of kept me in my place mm -hmm. and uh, kept me away from, from the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so uh, kind of empowering women to recognize the lies. And oftentimes with women, it's like negative self-talk. Yeah. Like Satan uses us against ourselves more than anyone else. Right. Because when we say that negative thing in our mind over and over and over, it has such a more powerful effect. Yeah. So it's calling those out and then combating those lies with truths and right. with scripture or saint quotes. Yeah. yeah. And I've heard today too with social media <sighs> and the images and the comparison. And even like, you know, they've done, you know, those statistics about which country is the most happiest and... It's usually like the Scandinavian country where they say there's greater equity. You have what your neighbor has. But it's like when we think we're missing out, right? Or if this person has more because they're posed in front of yeah. a nice beach scene or something. <laughs> it makes us miserable, right? Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. And Instagram most of the time is filtered. And you're yeah. holding the camera at a certain angle or you're doing a... Uh, and then you, you take a picture of the best part of your day. Yeah. And that's all you put up yeah. with it. And we often see it when we're in the worst part of our day. Yeah. So we're covered in baby spit up or right. whatever. Right. And um, yeah, and we look at that and we're like, well, I wish I had her life. Yeah. Little yeah. do you know that she spent an hour to get it to look picture perfect. <laughs> and she took a picture and behind her is a whole pile of dirty laundry <laughs> and all the things that she's not putting up on Instagram. Right. What do you, how do you, I know women have a, seem like a natural desire right to be beautiful attractive what do you tell women that maybe struggle in that area they don't feel attractive enough how do you help them i think um because you also have your own podcast among I, the lilies i and, do yeah. yeah yeah and my whole thing is for ladies that are tired of pretending and are ready mm -hmm. to be real so it's mm -hmm. not being instagram you it's being real life you right, right um i think i was fortunate um that my older sister is 14 months older than me and she was perfect in every way, she made mm. all the grades. She was homecoming queen, prom queen, voted best looking of her class. Mm. And so at a young age, I realized I can't do that. Mm. I can't be perfect. Mm -hmm. Like I will fail in comparison. Right, right. Um, and I did struggle with self-esteem and self-hatred and other yeah. things that I had to work through, work through these lies. But, um, but then I had to really search who I was. Mm -hmm. And um, Our Lady just was amazing and beautiful and um, guided me to her son. Mm. And because um, I was too sinful and too messed up to talk to Jesus. Mm. Um, and I had, a, I had a very rough relationship with my mother mm. and we fought a lot. And so the very first prayer I ever prayed, um, I was in seventh grade and um, and my mom and I were having one of our horrible fights. And mm -hmm. it was, I hope you have a kid just like you. And then you'll mm -hmm. see how hard it is. And you'll mm -hmm. see, you'll do the same thing as me. You're so much like me. Mm -hmm. I was like, I will never be a mom like you. Yeah. I will never. 
and I, my mom is a good person. I, this was her in a very bad moment, yeah. right? Um, but in that bad moment, I was like, all right, our lady, like if you're this perfect heavenly mother, you be my mom, make me yeah. a mom like you. Right. And I feel like she just led me to her son and, um, yeah. And he rocked my world and changed it. And, uh, and I realized the only, the only thing that I had was to be his, to be his yeah. little girl. And yeah, I'm a 40 year old woman now. And yeah. that's still my base identity is being his daughter. Right. I tried to take my identity in sports. I, um, was quite the athlete and, um, blew out my shoulder wrestling and, um, lost lost going to state, lost in the girl that I wrestled against. Um, that one first in Texas, I had beaten many times. Mm -hmm. So I was like on path to, you know, um, college and praise God. He, he, he helped me blow up my shoulder to save my soul. Mm -hmm. Um, and I did missionary work instead. And that was amazing. And I had amazing, beautiful women who, um, were very secure in who they were. Mm -hmm. Um, I talked about in this series, so it's an eight part series um, that's free for people. So I think it's EWTN.com slash women made new. But there was a woman in my life who was Canadian. And she's just a humble woman. And she told me, she's like, Cameron, when people meet me, they think I don't have a great self-esteem. They mm -hmm. think um, I'm homely, I'm a mm -hmm. homebody, I've been mm -hmm. called names. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, I mm -hmm. kind of felt bad for her. She's like, people meet you and they think you're great and you have a great mm. self-esteem. I was like, oh, thanks. You're so nice. <laughs> and then she's like, I don't think I've ever met anyone with a worse self-esteem mm. or that hates themselves as much as you hate you. Mm. <gasps> like yeah. stabbed me right, right in the heart. I was like, right. who is this woman? And how does she see through <laughs> all my lovely walls and masks? Uh -huh. And um, yeah, and she loved me through it. And the Lord worked with me and my teammates to like, I fought with God a lot. There was an the, evangelization. Yeah. Organization. Yeah. And I fought with all these lies that I believed mm. about myself. And slowly but surely, the Lord's truth and his goodness like pushed through. And I had to think, okay, does the creator of the universe, God of gods, you know, is he right? Or is punk little 18-year-old Cameron right? Right. Like, right. I think I'm horrible. He thinks I'm yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah. And eventually, yeah, he won. He's right. Yeah. <laughs> and so was it also, if I could ask him, was there some counseling and stuff you did too, or not really? or Not really. Yeah. I think counseling is good. Yeah. I am um, very hard-headed and stubborn. Yeah. And um, honestly, it was through me hitting rock bottom and having, um, I broke up with a boyfriend. My friends blamed me for the fallout. I just, yeah. everything in my life kind of fell apart yeah. at one point. Yeah. And then I found myself on retreat and um, I was confronted with many things and um, I had tried to be tough and strong for a long mm -hmm. time. And I don't remember crying as a kid. Like I just was yeah. hardened, I yeah. guess. And uh, on this particular retreat, the, it was, the Eucharist was going around and um, I went to the back of the room and my heart, I just felt, I really think Our Lady was like prepping me and um and like all these things were coming up like i dated a guy who was a linebacker for football like a big strong guy and i'm not a very large woman and i would hit him and he's like cameron you have a problem that hurts like like your anger you know yeah. and and so like all this stuff was coming up and i was seeing all the ways that i had sinned and messed yeah. up and yeah. um 
yeah, and I just kind of apologized to God yeah. and um, broke down crying. Um, at one point, a, a woman came over and put her hand on my shoulder and uh, I was just kind of rocking back and forth and just crying. Like the first time I cried in a long time, I think I allowed myself to be weak yeah. and need a savior. Yeah. I couldn't do it all myself, no right. more self-reliance. Yeah. It wasn't working. And, um, and then um, next thing I knew, one of my friends picked me up and there was a priest praying over people and I was not charismatic at all. Next thing I know, I'm like, I think I'm on the ground. Got slayed in the spirit. I tried to fight it. I tried to get up and I had all this pressure. Uh, In hindsight, the pressure was on my forehead, my chest and my shoulders pushing me down. And I fought it and fought it. And then I finally gave in and was like, okay, fine, God. And I let go and I just felt peace. Yeah. For the first time in my life, um, I went to confession. It was amazing. The priest just, and it wasn't like a pretend confession like yeah. I had done before. It was like, here's all the ugly, gross stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, the priest said, welcome home, sweetie. Mm. And um, and then I went back to the room. Literally? Called... Yeah, he did. Literally. That's not one of the official dismissals nope. of confession. Nope. But uh, he said, welcome. <laughs> there was an absolution as well. I remember that. But I think there was a welcome home, sweetie. Yeah. I think I was a sobbing young girl. Right, like I was right, like right. probably 16, sobbing mm. my eyes out. And he's like, it's okay. Welcome mm. home, sweetie. I'm going to, you know, absolve yeah. you and right. like go and sin no more. Yeah. And um, yeah, my anger, honestly, it was, my anger was gone like that. My, mm. a lot of the things, I know that's not normally how God yeah. works, but for me in that moment, that's, yeah. Yeah. that's what happened. And I had joy and peace i still was messed up but i had joy and peace that i had never experienced before yeah i went to go find the lady that was praying over me and there was a youth group leader who i asked him he's like i followed you back here when you left i followed you and i stood here no one came you've Mm. been sitting there i swear it was our lady put her hand Mm. on my shoulder and just loved me to her son what did she look like i never saw her i just Uh. felt her I felt her hand. I put Uh my hand on my shoulder. I felt her and it was um, home and safety. And and I felt like she gave me a strength Mm -hmm. to just let go. Like, uh, I don't need you to be strong. I'm here. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I think, I don't know, it seemed like that letting go stuff. I mean, because we can read stuff, we can know stuff, we have friends maybe speak into our lives and they stop doing this. You're not this way. <laughs> but there is a, maybe is that the biggest part where we have to just let that go, drop the rock. Of, yeah. Uh, yeah, I might have gotten some bad messages growing up. You're not enough. Or yeah. You need to achieve more, do more. You need to do it perfectly. And just, because actually, you know, that's what, you know, Father, we were having dinner with Father Mitch tonight. This is the anniversary memorial of Mother Angelica's birth, 100 years. And. And he's done a lot of programming here recently, you know, talking about and reflecting on Mother's life. And I asked him about, you know, was the big point that keeps coming to you. And he said that she was simply, you know, who she was, right? She didn't try to pretend or be someone else. Yeah, I love that. There's freedom in that. I got here and someone was very nice and they they take the chapter from the book and Uh someone writes it into a script Uh and then... You're supposed to do the script on a teleprompter. Oh, okay. And I told him, I can't do that. That's yeah. not, 
I can't do it. Right. I um, I think I'm dyslexic. I have yeah. learning disabilities. If yeah. I can't, I don't normally read on right. camera. Like right. it's not, it's not natural. I'm yeah. like, I can't do it. Yeah. I'm like, I'm just gonna talk. Yeah. And uh, and they were lovely about mm -hmm. it, and they let me. Mm -hmm. um, but I, it was it was the same thing. I'm like, I need to be me, and that's yeah. not. Some people can do that, yeah. and they can do it beautifully well. Right. But that's not my gift. Yeah. I yeah. feel like I'm more. Like I rather go into a talk and someone give me the topic as I'm walking on stage yeah. and overly rely on the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah. And and I don't know. Like I I and I don't think it's laziness. I think because I'll prepare a talk. I will. Mm. I will prepare a talk and I will have it written, and then I get up to give it and other things come out of my mouth. Yeah. yeah. But I know that the Holy Spirit is doing it. You know. Do I, you do that? I, well, do you I felt that? like that in in seminary. As really, as the most pressure situation, like with preaching, I've ever felt. Like, because it wasn't, I had a class of like 28 of us or something, and I felt no pressure from my class because you get up every morning, you have mass, and then the year you're a deacon, and that year you start preaching. So you're preaching in front of the seminary community. And I never felt, I felt a great sense of camaraderie, camaraderie and support because we're all going to have to rotate up there. Yeah. But it's like the younger guys who you think you know it all and you're a critic of everything. <laughs> like you, you, you first get to seminary before it's you up there. You know, everybody's got their opinion, know how to do it. But then on top of that, you've got the faculty behind you who are big academics and you know can hear any kind of mistakes you make theologically or whatever. And, and we had one of our homiletics professors was in front of us. She was a sister. So she had her in front of us. And I just, I remember getting up and my heart would be pounding so much. I used to be a swimmer. And I remember that feeling. You get up on the blocks. Oh, yeah. And your heart is pounding. That's the way it was like getting up there to preach. Yeah, for sure. And I would have this fantasy of like, wouldn't it be great if I, if they just had different readings and I could legitimately just throw away my notes and just nobody could blame me for what yeah. comes out of my mouth, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, and it's like, oh, it's okay. You didn't know what was coming. Yeah, right, yeah. right. It's like, and it is, I mean, I honestly, I struggle with preaching to this day about, um, I mean, I come back to, well, even like today, you know, I was preaching, I had the 7 a.m. Mass. This is a big deal. It's the 100th year since Mother Angelica's birth, and um, and like last night, you know, I, I sat down, I was gonna, I was gonna tell the story, well, the story is too big to tell an right, homily. You can't fit it in the homily. <laughs> and then, plus, I didn't even know. I mean, it's happened to. Re you, re you realize how much you really don't know about the story. So you start doing research. And finally, and like days ago, too, I had written down points that I thought were moving to me or touched me about our life. So I was going to weave all that into the story. I said, Paul, Mark, just go get the points, right? And let's talk about the points. This is all you can do. Are you, you maybe didn't have some experiences of her. You know, in the 80s or something, I mean, like the network was much smaller and more intimate and stuff like that. So everybody's got like these different things, you know, and, and people do impute what they want to impute on Mother Angelica, you know, you kind of see her through different dimensions. But, you know, I finally is just saying, you know, you got to do what you can do. Yeah. I mean, you're in this position, God expects you to, He's got you here for a reason. So give what you got. Go to war with what you got. Yeah. One of my guests said that one yeah, time. Yeah, I you like that. Go to war with what you got. <laughs> yeah. And I think there's a freedom in, I don't have enough. Like, right. I did, So here's right. the thing with the lies. It's like one of the lies I believed about myself is I didn't have enough. Yeah. And 
and I am not enough. Right. So that I am not enough is not true. I, by God's grace, I will be enough, but only by him giving me the grace. Right. And whatever he's asking me to do, there's a truth that I'm not enough. Yeah. But with him, yeah. in my weakness, Christ is stronger, right? right. So with him, it's enough. Right. Like, I, I think it's like St. Therese, where it's like, I can't do these big, great things, but I'm just going to do really little things. Right. And right. it's like... Um, yeah, I think sometimes the Lord's asking something very small of us. Yeah. And we beat ourselves up because we can't do this giant thing. He's like, right. I don't want you to do the giant thing. Yeah. I just want you to be a good mom. Right. I just want you to love this baby. Yeah. It's okay that you screamed and yelled when they uh, dropped, yeah. spilt the milk. Mm -hmm. I love you. Mm -hmm. I forgive you. Go mm -hmm. tell the little kid you're sorry. Mm -hmm. They're going to forgive you. Mm -hmm. Then clean up the milk. Love mm -hmm. the kid. Give him yeah. a hug and a kiss right. and move on. Right. The baby right. will forgive you like that. Yeah. yeah. And it seems, from what I hear, the mothers feel a lot of pressure yeah. to measure up to be the perfect mom. Yeah. And we can't do it. Yeah. That already happened. Our lady, she wins. <laughs> she wins. She's the right. perfect mom. Yeah. And it seems to me, too, like the wonderful things about kids, you know, it's like they, they love their parents naturally. Yeah. Unless something terrible gets in there. But it's like... Um, and so they just, they want you, they want your time. They yeah. want your attention. And Peter Kreft said in his book on love, which I thought was so great. He said, yeah, they just don't want something. They want all of your time. Oh yeah, they do. <laughs> it's true. So that's like the best thing you can give, like your presence and your, just to be with them, you know, and stuff. And, uh, and he tells this fantastic story in his book on love, Peter Kreft. I know Matt seemed like he interviews him a yeah, lot. Yeah, Matt loves him. And Peter's actually said to Matt that he is his favorite interviewer. Wow. Yeah, Jordan Peterson had him on, and Matt asked, how was it? And he yeah. said, he he may be my second or third favorite interview, but you're my favorite of all times. And I was like, honey, that's amazing. And he's like, oh, Matt doesn't talk about it. So let me brag about my husband to you. Uh, but Peter, Peter loves it. He's like, I feel bad. Like Matt pays him to come uh -huh, out, right? Uh -huh. And he's like, I feel bad taking your money. And Matt's like, are you kidding me? I love you coming and talking to me. Yeah. You're not taking my money. You're taking all my supporters' money. And they all know that I want to have you. So like, this is a win-win. Right. And I right. think they equally enjoy each other, yeah. which is fun. Yeah. Well, in his book on love, I started reading it, and, um, and he tells this story. I might get some details wrong, but it was his son, one of his sons or something, he's like nine years old or something. And he said, Dad, you know, why do you love me? And it's, it's Dr. Kreft's thinking, okay, what does a nine-year-old want to hear? He's like thinking, well, he runs fast. You know, he's like a great baseball player. And, and then he's like, he said, like in a moment of clarity, of sanity, he said, I love you because you're my son. You know, and that was enough, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I literally just I put the book. Down. I never finished the book because I thought that was that that's was it. like, that's you got it. it. You know, if you can get that piece that you're precious in God's eyes, he loves you yeah. infinitely. And because you're his son, you know, it's not I mean, we're all so limited in different ways and nobody's got the whole thing. Or, yeah. And know. I think that's what it is. So yeah, maybe you're not as pretty as this person or maybe right, you're not right. as smart as that person right, or maybe right. whatever it is, but like you've got to have your identity and yeah. like you are precious yeah. in God's eyes. Like mm -hmm. he loves you and right. he made you. So whatever flaws. Right. And I think sometimes when we like beat ourselves up about whatever flaws, like we're hurting him. Yeah. You know, yeah. like he made us this way right. and he made us this way right. for a reason. I say yeah. stupid things all the time. I yeah. shouldn't be doing podcasts. <laughs> I say things all the time that I should yeah. be putting my foot in my mouth. And I'm like, 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I said something foolish. I shouldn't yeah. have said it. Yeah. yeah. Am I still a daughter of God? Yeah. Yes. Is that yeah. still who I am? Is that yeah. where I'm getting my worth from? I think it's the same with like reviews. Like uh-huh. I've realized like podcast reviews are great. People are nice. Mm-hmm. Only the nice people say stuff. YouTube. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of mean, ugly people out yeah. there. Yeah. And they'll say things and it's like, ouch, that hurt. Right. And it's like, right. okay, is that true? I don't know if it is or not, but am I going to take what that one bad review said or these yeah. hundred good reviews, or I'm going to go and listen to what the Lord says about me and take right. what he's saying. Right. Right. It's like, he's got to win. Yeah. yeah. And if we're, if, if, if the loudness of social media and who it's saying we are and us trying to be, we will never be good enough because it's always changing. It's constantly changing. Right. The the reels or the apps or like whatever the things are, you can't do it just right. So like right. if that's where you're getting your worth and dignity, you will never, ever be good enough. Yeah. And, you know, I think, too, you know, reflecting on Mother Angelica's life and, you know, one of the things I wrote down in my notes was, you know, I remember her when I first entered the community she talked a lot about her anger like on the live show you know that she struggles with her anger and and i i didn't see i don't i i guess i was thinking why do you keep talking about this mother it's like not that i was like embarrassed by it or something like that but you were just never on the receiving end of the anger (laughs) (laughs) uh a couple times yeah we were (laughs) but i i thought um I, I thought it was a beautiful teaching thing that I didn't get till I was older about like, and, you know, people would say it, but you don't really realize it when you're younger. It's like you think, okay, I'm, I'm going to work through this. You know, I'm just going to be stronger and I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps. And it's yeah. like, I remember one thing, one time Father Benedict Rochelle said, you know, a person might walk into heaven always with a limp. Mm-hmm. You know, we might have a, a slight limp in life from whatever, you know, whatever traumas or whatever things you got and it might not be healed but you can still be filled with charity mm-hmm. but you're still kind of wounded in this area right that's not doesn't completely go away or something but anyway i i thought it was a good lesson the anger thing because it's like I'm most it seems like most people work on their faults for a lifetime you know yeah. i mean therese said you know he could take them away instantly or at the end of your life before you're dead or you know like she would leave the progress up to god right but obviously it just shows that she's better at patience than i am like lord just take it already but really it could be a point of despair or um what's the word you know lack of you lose hope Mm. if you don't you know if you don't realize you know other people are struggling and you know we think we're worse or something and you know, join the human race, right? You're not terminal here. Everybody's struggling with every, you know, with something. And uh, and so, I don't know, that, that's just like one of the things that struck me as a, a big lesson that, you know, we all have our faults and yeah. issues. And uh, But the important thing is that we're loving God, you know. And if you didn't have you know, those faults, yeah. you wouldn't need God. You wouldn't need right. confession. So, right. like, we do. Yeah. I feel yeah. like it's the whole, like, the closer you get to the light, the more you see Right. The speckles of you know, yeah, sin on us, and yeah. we need we need to go back, and we need to, yeah, ask forgiveness and repent, and um, yeah, I don't think it it helps us when we beat ourselves up over it, but it's good to, like I think especially for 
mother for others to know like okay she does have an area that she struggles mm. with right she mm. does um she's not perfect yeah. i'm sure any of you that were around yeah. her yeah. realized yeah. that right. um yeah. i think it's easy to look at a picture it's easy today to see all the pictures of her around and the beautiful yellow roses and be like oh she was so perfect because she seems perfect now because she's right. <laughs> you know in heaven and not struggling with things yeah. but and she would wail on the hagiographers. Hey, hey she would say they're going to spend a, like a, an eternity in purgatory because they're presenting the saints as untouchable and reachable. Yeah. You can't imitate them. And, uh, you know, I was shocked. I went to Poland recently, and we went to Nipakalana, where Banks and Colby was, and had this, this American woman there, a consecrated person. And she gives these fantastic tours, and she... And she just told us a lot of like smaller inside stories. And, and I, I kind of always saw him more kind of real tough guy, austere. I mean, he dies in Auschwitz, right? right? Like, you know, but he she had put flesh on him. Yeah. And like he had a real kind of tenderness and the friars really, you know, he was a joy to be around in the sense they wanted him. They wanted to be around him. You know, yeah. he had like this encouragement a spirit of encouragement and you like you read his quotes like about falls like oh, in, yeah. yeah and he says you know it's god's revealing our humility you know so our problem is not trusting you know we shouldn't you know just you, you know, turn the fall into a step in the ladder you know yeah. to go higher and yeah. uh and i find that so encouraging confession you know i tell yes. people some form of that you know in different ways that you know we shouldn't he you know he would say you know when we fall or sin we shouldn't be surprised. The surprise is that, that we didn't fall farther. Yeah, further or fall sooner. <laughs> I, I kissed his beard today. All right. right. Yeah, Father yeah. Uh, Father John Paul Mary has yeah. a relic of his right. beard. And I right. guess, do you know the story? Of yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I love that. He said that um, there was a priest cutting, a fellow friar was cutting mm -hmm. his beard and was putting pieces of it in his pocket. Yeah. And he said, what are you doing? He's like, you're, you're just a holy guy. I'm uh -huh. going to save this. He's like, uh -huh. throw it in the fire now. Yeah. So we did. But the fire wasn't lit. So we went back later and got the pieces of beer. Yeah, beard. yeah, right. Yeah. And I think it was, yeah. Yeah. So I think he had to even sift through the ashes and everything yeah. to get it out. Because he was cremated. That's the only relics we have. It was yeah. the beard whiskers. And, yeah. You know, one of the stories that really touched me about him is, you know, because you think about it, he had like the biggest friary ever. I think it was like, something on the order of like 700 friars. Oh, it was like, wow. you know, in one place there, they had like a fire department. They had a, they built a runway for planes because they had a, at one point they got like a daily newspaper they would print out. They would have secular news. Oh, wow, I didn't realize that. Yeah, they had this Immaculata magazine. And so, you know, he had radio, I think. He had plans for TV. And so this, this place is clipping along, right? And this is all like pre-war, yeah. you know, depression era stuff you know they're just doing all this incredible stuff and and i but you know he was surrounded this this tour guy was saying you know he was he had a lot of holy people with him yeah. and some of them literally their causes introduced they're yeah. beatified so we often have that right Since yeah that are together right I, I think that i used to think the path to sainthood was holiness and so for a while i was like i need to be holy and i was uh -huh. like trying to figure out how to be holy right. and I could never figure it out. Right. I'm like, I don't know how to be holy. Yeah. And then I feel like I, at some point I realized, I'm like, actually all the saints and all these holy people I look up to, the path is suffering. 
Right. It is pain. It right. is crucifixion. Yeah. It is dying to ourselves.、Mm-hmm. It's struggling, whether it's mentally or physically. Like suffering is our path、mm-hmm. to holiness.、Uh-huh. And it's through embracing it and saying yes to the Lord. Like、mm-hmm. that is. That's the path. It's laying、yeah. down your life for a friend, right, you know.、Right. Um, mother, like, like she, like, y'all. Correct me if I'm wrong. You know way more than I do about、yeah. EWTN.、Mm. But like, the network took off and everything grew when she, after her stroke, and she wasn't yeah, able to speak、right. as much or do as much. The Lord's like, okay,、yeah. now I'm going to use you in her suffering. Yeah, I think Mike Warsaw said that. Yeah, the fastest rate of growth was, you know, after the strokes and. Yeah, and the whole time she's building it and the shrine, she has you know the back pain and and a lot of mysterious things. The sister says it was always something else. You know, I know asthma was big in the '90s for her,、um, but she had other issues too. That you know, and and it struck me too is like the willingness. I mean, you look at Raymond Arroyo's book and some quotes on the EWTN website about. Her like having a knowledge what maybe a particular suffering on a day or something was for, and that she would willingly embrace it.、Mm-hmm. And it was like, I mean, one of the employees told a beautiful story where his his daughter, a lot of health problems when she was growing up, and eventually died from it in her mid twenties. But she was like in children's hospital for a month and. He was running out to Burger King to get breakfast, and the sisters were there. And mother had gone to the hospital during the night, and he was—they were bringing her home, and they were—they were getting food. Mother was in there in the sedan in the station wagon, lying in the back seat. And so they say, "You want to go pray with mother?" He said, "Yes." And he said, "So mother's like flat on her back in the back seat, and just prays, even obviously feeling miserable,、yeah. but prays with him for her son." Her, His daughter, and、uh, he was so consoled by that. Yeah. But anyway, there's a lot of stories. Just the willingness to offer this to the Lord, and it was like redemptive suffering. Yeah, Don't waste it, man. Yeah. Like that、yeah. is a gift as a Catholic that we、um, we live in a culture that doesn't want any pain or right, any suffering.、Right. And Take this pill or that pill to get rid of whatever it is.、Yeah. Or if you're suffering too much,、yeah. euthanasia. Yeah. And it's like, no, there is something to this.、Yeah. I don't enjoy it. It's not right, fun. Right, right. But there is something to it. Like、yeah. it is,、um, yeah, both for the person suffering, but for intercession for others as well. Yeah.、Um, I mean, the catechism has a beautiful line that yeah, there is no holiness without that doesn't pass by way of the cross. Yeah. And, and that it's. Ratzinger makes the great Benedict in his book Jesus Nazareth. You know, he he talks about those passion predictions, and I think in particular he's talking about Mark. And there's three passion predictions of what's going to happen, and every time he's revealing himself as the Messiah, he gives this passion prediction、mm. that it's like you you can't understand me without the cross. It's not those are the temptations in the desert, right? You know. You know, make bread, turn the stones into bread. You'll get a following,、yeah. right? You'll build an army, drive out、yeah. Rome. You'll have a bajillion followers <laughs> on YouTube,、yeah. or Twitter, or TikTok, or whatever you want. And that's like our temptation. It's like we want Jesus. Sheldon Sheen talked about this all the time. We want Jesus without a cross, right? And yeah. yeah, that's like the message of the saints. And and this thing with Maximilian Kolbe, I was so touched by he. 
I forgot. He, he went, you know, he went to Japan. Uh, like the bishop down there wanted to start this seminary. They needed help. The, you know, minority or Catholics down there. So he goes and teaches uh, just with a, like a handful of friars and didn't have big numbers. Like I was surprised. You know, I thought this guy, anywhere he'd go, man, it would just be no, this huge so thing. Much. No, it was small. And in fact, this thing that blew me away, he had this humble brother with him. It was very simple and some others, I guess, too. But he, he was discouraged because one of the priests he was with was saying, and I, got, I think he got this more than once, once from his own biological brother in the community, like, this, this is a little too much on Mary. And I, honestly, I probably would have thought the same thing. I mean, they had to greet, the, greet each other with some salutation to Mary and stuff like yeah. that. And I probably would have been one to say, okay, I love, you know, she... She pulled me out of the ditch, you know, but it's like every greeting, every time we see each other in the halls, you know, and the baby, the resistance was stronger than that. And he was discouraged at one point in Japan. And this simple brother said, all he said was like, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. And I thought, this is the guy that, that you know, died in Auschwitz and, um, you know, horribly, you know, starved to death. And... Um, willingly embrace but anyway a man of courage and he a needed a man some... of courage and faith and then how many people at the end like found joy right yeah, like he yeah. gave them the courage right, like he right. yeah. his faith was strong enough to lead yeah. all those around him to sing yeah. and to yeah and the part that was moving though is this simple brother just had the simplest of words and that little it. encouragement and he needed it Oh, yeah. You know, he needed it, too. I mean, he's like, he was getting kind of discouraged. And it was like, I don't know, he just became much more human to me uh, hearing some of those stories. And, um, yeah. But anyway, that's, that's beautiful. But Do you know the Gaelic uh, in Irish, a greeting is uh, Diawit, which is God mm. be at you. Mm -hmm. And the response is Diasmerowit, which is... Uh. God and Mary be at you. Like oh, that's really? how they would really? say hi to each yeah, other. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> there you go. What are some, I know you got to go, you got some prayer time going up, but uh, what are some like bedrock principles that you, you've learned or you try to practice in your own life that lessons that keep coming back or things? Uh, the Lord is so good. He knows that I need to be hit upside the head by two by fours. Mm -hmm. I don't, uh, some people like that little tiny mm -hmm. message of mm -hmm. like be encouraged mm -hmm. and they, they're okay. And they turn everything. And I'm like, the Lord's like whispering, yeah. doing all these little things. And I'm like oblivious. And then mm -hmm. all of a sudden I'm taken out. I'm like, all right, what are you trying to say? My bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. and I think just, yeah, listening to him and also, um, yeah, trying to be humble enough to say, um, I don't get it. Um, I think sometimes we think, especially when we've been living our Christian life for a while, we mm -hmm. should know everything. We right. should. Um, but then you meet people, like you said, Peter Crave, that are just so humble. Yeah. And it's like you'll ask him questions, and he's mm -hmm. a brilliant man. He's written right. more books than years he's spent alive. Wow. But he's not afraid to say, oh, I don't know. Yeah. I'm like, gosh, if you're this brilliant guy and you yeah. can say you don't know something, then me as just a homeschooling yeah. mom that runs a little yeah. tiny podcast on uh -huh. the side, surely uh -huh. there's many great things that I don't know. <laughs> and it's okay. Yeah. Like yeah. I think sometimes we're afraid to admit when we don't yeah. know something yeah. um, or we try to pretend that we know all the answers and mm -hmm. then we have nothing to learn. And yeah. we need to be students and we need to be right. children. And 
we've got a lot to learn. Yeah. Or you're like me and you just have a horrible memory and you forget everything you yeah. say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think just forgiving ourselves. Like I really think, and I, and I think that um, different temperaments are different as well. So like I get mother on the anger thing. I'm more mm. choleric and hard-headed mm. and stubborn. Mm. Um, so my go-to ang- uh, my go-to emotion, if I get scared, I get angry. If someone upsets me, I get angry. Mm. If I feel sad, I get angry. It's like my go-to emotion. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to work on feeling other emotions. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm working on it, yeah. and I think the Lord's helping me. Yeah. But, um, but I'm very quick at forgiving both mm. other people and myself. And I think mm. it's, I don't have any melancholic in me. Yeah. Melancholics are beautiful. Like yeah. a lot of contemplatives are melancholics right, right. and they go deep and they yeah. feel deep yeah. and it's wonderful. Right. But I think the cross with that is beating yourself up. Yeah. And I, I have... Being so self-involved. And, yeah. You know. Yeah. And then you can just kind of turn internally and like, it's like, no, like the Lord is so quick to forgive. All you got to yeah. do is say sorry. Right. You know, like, right. and, and I think not, like, there's gifts in that, but I think um, I, I've learned over the years to, like, be more quickly to forgive both others and yourself. And yeah. I think that yeah. we need more of that. We need more forgiveness and understanding and and giving people the benefit of the doubt. I feel like we live in a world and society where we're waiting for someone to make one mistake and we turn on them, you know, the cancel culture. Yeah, Mary Everstadt says that. She talks about us as an unforgiving. I don't, I don't know who she is. Who is she? Uh, she's written these great books about, uh, does a lot of like, to me, like looking at sociological statistics. She wrote okay. Adam and Eve. She just came out with a book, After the Pill, Revisited, I think, uh, Primal Screams, How the Church Won the West or something like that. But yeah. Uh, yeah, she talks about yeah the lack of forgiveness in the cancer culture. Like you say one thing, you know, you're just cast that way now, and it's yeah. like it's a hard way to live. You know? Yeah, and and I think don't put people on pedestals. I think yeah. we, it's not fair. You know, um, yeah, no one's saying I'm perfect. Look at me, be like me. Like right. I think sometimes people hear that, but no yeah. one's saying that. Like right. I know a lot of. Like you have this great show and you do yeah, all this stuff. Yeah. You're not saying I'm the expert, yeah, you know, right, right. And, and I think don't put people on pedestals and, um, and, and always give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. I, I have some friends recently that, um, they're big fat sinners, but, um, kind of like a Mary Magdalene type thing, um, or the, the woman caught in adultery and, um, I think everybody has big, big rocks and big stones. Yeah. And I think sometimes as Catholics, we think we have the right to those stones right. and we're holding them and yeah. we're looking out and like, oh, as soon as one of you mess up, yeah. I'm throwing this at you. Right. right. And, and Jesus tells us to put it down. And yeah. I think some people will put it down. Yeah. I think the humbler people will, mm-hmm. the people that are aware of their own sins, maybe it's yeah. more the melancholics right. put it down. But other ones of us, like it's not till Jesus turns and looks us in the eye. And we're like, yeah. oh gosh, Jesus. Yeah. And he looks at us and is like, mm. the one of you without sin yeah. can cast the first stone. Right. You're not so much greater than her because she was caught in adultery. Yeah. I know your heart. Right. I know your sin. I know your mistakes. Mm-hmm. I love you mm-hmm. and I forgive you, but you've got to forgive her. Yeah. And, I, and I think we've got to um, drop those stones yeah. and uh, respond in love. Like when we have a sister in Christ... Um, or a brother in Christ, that, but, but especially a sister. My heart's really for the women. You have a sister in Christ who falls. Be the first to go and embrace mm-hmm. her. Mm-hmm. Love her, especially as her fellow sister. Mm-hmm. 
go and love her, clothe her. We clothe mm -hmm. the naked. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter who it is and who you thought they were and mm -hmm. what they should have done. Yeah. We need to love them, embrace them, help them seek repentance mm -hmm. and forgive them. Right. You know, a friend of mine wrote this song that she said, uh, when, I, when I look into the face of the enemy, my enemy, I see my brother and and that uh, it was it was really kind of convicting to me because we we got somebody that really annoys us, bothers us, whatever, and we want to maybe consider them a problem, not my brother, you know, yeah. and not to see a solidarity among sinners. You know, we have different stuff going on, but uh, they're sinners like uh, me, right? Yeah. And let me ask you this question, and I'm, I'm not asking specifics or anything, but just like the sacrament of marriage itself as because some of it sounds like it's it's so it has to be exercised every day in marriage, right? And again, no specifics, but just say because like the greatness of marriage that it is a sacrament of the church, and that it is this place of love, this possibility of love, right? To yeah. to practice love in a very real way. Tell us about because I think we got to sell marriage today oh, yeah. to young people. Yeah. So my husband has this joke. Um, he discerns with, with the Friars of the Renewal before we got married. I yeah. discern with the Sisters of Life. So he'd often be giving talks at events, and he'd see the Sisters of Life and be like, you know, she chose me. And one of the Sisters of Life said to him one time, it's like his little joke. He finds it funny. And he likes poking fun. And one of the sisters is like, hey, come here. So um, your wife got you and... Uh, I got Jesus. He's the real winner. <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah, okay, you win. You have the perfect spouse. Um, I love my husband. He's amazing and wonderful. He is not perfect. Yeah. I know his flaws more than anyone yeah. else, right? Yeah. Um, and he knows mine. Yeah. And I think it's, um, I'm learning more and more. It's not being afraid to, um, to be naked before mm -hmm. your spouse. Right. Um, your spouse is, so basically when you love someone so much and you say, here I am, when you give yourself to them completely, you're, you're basically opening yourself up and be like, here's my heart. If you want to hurt me, this is where you can hurt me the most. Right. 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 And, um, and it's trusting them that they're not going to stab you in the heart. Right. right. <laughs> and, and then when, and if you have times that they mm -hmm. do mm -hmm. choosing to forgive them. Yeah. Uh, marriage is hard. Uh, mm -hmm. The world is against us. Mm -hmm. uh, you are marrying a flawed, sinful human being. Yeah. One thing that Matt and I have said um, over the years, we've done some marriage prep. We've done, you know, marriage retreats and things. Um, and there's a lot of things going into marriage that I didn't know to ask. So I've uh, talked to a lot of young women whose uh, boyfriends struggle with pornography addictions. Mm -hmm. Like, ask this of your spouse before you get married. We were the generation prior to this. I... Yeah didn't have brothers. Right. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. Um, it's a hard thing. It stinks. Mm -hmm. um, it what, is do you, a, what do you tell them if they do, if they're dating a guy that does have a problem? Does he see it as a problem? Uh -huh. And is he seeking help? Mm -hmm. Does he have accountability? Mm -hmm. Does he have um, covenant eyes on devices? Yeah, does he yeah. not have a smartphone? Right. Maybe he's smart enough to know he can't have one. Yeah. Um, it's the whole, I think, I don't know if it was... Father Benedict Rochelle, or if it was Fulton Sheen, someone talks about the um, two bishops walking down the street mm -hmm. and they uh, come across a woman mm -hmm. of the night, if yeah. you will, mm -hmm. and one uh, turns his eyes as he mm -hmm. ought to mm -hmm. and covers them and looks away yeah. and he goes to 
correct his brother bishop and is like, you, you shouldn't look at, and then mm. he sees the tears running down his face. Mm. Like mm. that man was able to look at her and just mm. see her for her. He wasn't yeah, led yeah. into lust. Right, or, right. Um, so I think it's, does he see it as a problem? Is he fighting? Is he in the 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 grips of the addiction and he's falling every day or multiple mm. times a day? He's not in a spot to be engaged. Mm. He's just not. Yeah. He needs to have, same with an alcoholic. Yeah, right. You wouldn't marry someone who, it's okay that they're an alcoholic. Yeah. You can love them. But yeah. if they're getting drunk daily, right. they're right. not in a place to freely give right. themselves to right. you. Pornography right. addiction is the same. Yeah. And it goes for women as well. Like my marriage is, mm -hmm. it's my husband that yeah. struggled early on. Um, but yeah. there's just as many women that are addicted now. Yeah. And so it's, are you seeking healing? Yeah. You know, have is there some time in between? And yeah. 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 And then is this something that you're willing to take on? Uh, we had a friend who... Um, had a boyfriend who struggled not just with a pornography addiction, but it was same-sex attraction. Mm -hmm. And um, we had some really hard, frank conversations with her. And we're like, mm -hmm. these are two different things that he's struggling with both and. And, um, and they're doing well, and he's living a chaste, moral marriage. Mm -hmm. um, I, and I think it's like not, um, yeah, like love is a choice. It is a choice and choosing it over and over. Like we'll be married for 17 years mm. and we've had, like he, my husband's my best friend. Mm. I love him mm. with my whole heart. Sometimes I, I want to throw a shoe at him mm -hmm. and I get really <laughs> angry at him. Um, but there's yeah. no one else I'd rather be with. Right. Like right. I'm yeah. so grateful for him yeah. and um, he is amazing. And yeah. I do think the Lord... <laughs> Sometimes I'll say, like, we'll, we'll be going through, and we're big personalities. Mm -hmm. Some marriages have phlegmatic, yeah. peaceful people, yeah. and their marriages aren't as hard. <laughs> um, but we're both big personalities. And, um, and I'll say sometimes our wounds are just rubbing up against each other. Yeah. And this is ugly right now. Right. And we've got to take it to the cross and take it to the Lord and ask him to shine light on it. And then once we calm down and look yeah. at it, it's, it's beautiful because it's an area that I need to grow in that I wouldn't have known unless his wound was rubbing up on my wounds. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and you need a lot of humility. Yeah. And you need the sacrament. Like, you right. got to tap into the graces. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I had an experience with a friend of mine recently. I was like, we were kind of like, we kind of annoyed each other. It was almost like in a comical way. It, but it's like we were just on two different levels of, I didn't see why... He was having a problem. He didn't see why I was having a problem. And then finally, it kind of hit me. It's like, you know, just just recognize what you know is maybe bothersome or, you know, and don't do that. Or, or just try to see it how he sees it, you know, because neither one of us were trying to be a pain. But it's like we just didn't recognize it, yeah. you know, what we were doing or something that he was looking for this and I was looking for that and something so. And communication is key. And especially yeah. when you live together, I feel like yeah. brother mm -hmm. Friars as well. I think it's yeah. a, it's a different, yeah. our relationship is yeah. a bit more intimate than y'all's. <laughs> but, um, but I think there is that, um, like it's almost like a mirror is held yeah. up and right. it's someone that sees you. But if it's someone that's willing to love you through it, you know, right. and it's, it's showing them your brokenness. It's showing yeah. them your wounds and it's becoming better because of them. 
Right. Like you want to be a better person for your husband. Like I thought my husband was amazing our wedding、mm. day. I'm like this、yeah. guy's the best.、Um. He has a great singing voice. He's really cute. <laughs> he plays the guitar. He plays the guitar. <laughs> he's just he's a. Never mind. He was fired a month before our wedding. I think he's even more amazing now.、Yeah. Like we. Yeah, we've gone through struggles and we've gone through good times and bad, and、yeah. we've had maybe some easy times. We're best friends, so we laugh a lot together and we enjoy right, each other's、right. company. But there's been stuff that's been hard and yeah, rough. Yeah. And,、um, and my poor husband, I I've been sick for the last couple of years, and、um, it's been hard. It's been、yeah. really hard on him because a lot more has fallen on him,、right. and he doesn't know day to day if he has a wife that functions. Yeah, and yeah. and that's hard, and I feel horrible about yeah. it. Yeah.、Um, but he chooses to love me、yeah. through it, right? And、um, and I think it it makes us stronger. It's like the cross, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, there's a big cross in marriage, but、right. it's. It's good. It's real love, but you know the other thing、uh, I noticed a theme you like <laughs> is strong women. Yeah, I do like strong women. <laughs> Now the culture likes to put strong women out there, but to me sometimes it seems kind of fakey strong, right? It's maybe different from a Christian strong、yeah. woman. How do you see like a Christian strength in women? I think.、Um, well, I was telling you at dinner. I have a friend that's not Catholic. She's.、Um, Uh, probably non-denominational ish,、um, and she felt very dr- drawn. She's like she was raised in a church where the women weren't allowed to be leaders, and、um, and she said、um, she's like you Catholics, like you're allowed to be powerful. Like I don't get it. We're、yeah. talking about Chaldean women, yeah, right, and、right. and there's like a powerful、yeah. and like Our Lady's fiat is like a、mm-hmm. big strong. Be it done unto me according to the Lord. She wasn't a meek. I mean, she was meek and humble,、yeah. um, but she wasn't passive. Yeah. And I think sometimes we get confused between.、Um, well, let me say this real quick. That fiat, let it be done to me according to your word. You know, some have drawn, including John Paul II, in his reflections on Mary, talked about it like being an energetic, let it be done, not just not like just passive and、yeah. okay, I'll sur- submit to this or something. But she grasped hold of it. Yes,、agreed. like what the visitations right after that. I mean, it's like. Something like a ninety-mile journey, yeah. And one of the routes, if you go down like to the Dead Sea, if you go down by the, if you follow the Jordan and you're in, you're at the mouth of the Dead Sea, then you go up. It's like I looked it up on Google Maps. You know, I used the we- weapons of Satan, the scripture scholarship, <laughs> but, but it, it was something like three thousand feet. Wow! That she had to walk up there. That's amazing. If she went that route, and so anyway, it's an energetic. Because she was off to go help cousin Elizabeth, she didn't ascend the throne of queenship, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I thought that's a great distinction because we cannot. I, I forgot to say this, but you know, Mother Angelica would tell us, you know, give it all you got. Yeah. Don't hold back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and don't be afraid to be you in the process. Right, I.、Uh, right. There's these Byzantine nuns that I love out near us in、uh, Cleveland, Ohio, and they're gorgeous.、Mm-hmm. They are like. They're all so different and、mm-hmm. so unique, but there's a couple real powerhouse ones that、yeah. I that I love that I've had on the show before、yeah. and I've interviewed. And、um, one in particular, we talk about she's she's very tall and just a bigger present person、mm-hmm. anyhow. And、um, and another one's very feisty. And、um, uh, do you know Mother Natalia? She does、um, what God、yeah. is not with Father Michael O'Loughlin. No,、yeah. anyhow, friends of mine. They're lovely,、yeah. beautiful, but powerful women, and they're like. 
I don't know, allowed to be very unique and different. Right. And um, and I think that sometimes I at least went through a little bit of time where I thought I saw other girls that I thought were holy, <laughs> and、mm. I was like, that's what it looks like. And I and I tried to maybe try to be more quiet or more gentle or more. And these things are good things; they're not bad things.、Um, but it's or, or like try like like I. I have a hard time not saying something when I see something.、Mm-hmm. I'm like, I just gotta say something,、right. and it's like, Cameron,、mm-hmm. why did you say that? I'm like, because someone needs to.、Right. And I feel like when you feel that fire burning、mm-hmm. within you, you're like, okay, I'm gonna tell you this because、mm-hmm. no one else probably will.、Um, and I think not being apologetic for it. And I think in our world we say, okay, if you're like that, so I'm definitely one of the kids that would have. I was a tomboy. I played the sports. So if if we had the gender confusion that we had now. I'm sure someone would have convinced me I was a boy at a、mm-hmm. very young age,、mm-hmm. um, and it would be very, very sad because、mm-hmm. I am not. I am a woman,、mm-hmm. and I'm grateful that I was allowed、mm-hmm. to be different、right. and still be a woman.、Right. Um, I've learned to embrace my femininity more over the years,、um, but as a woman, we have different strengths and gifts. Well, maybe and- talk about that, like, like embracing that femininity. How do you just? What is that femininity you embrace? That's why I think sometimes is missing. It's like women are today, even like when I was growing up too. It's like it was never, and I don't, you can't. In some ways, you can't fault the teachers, but it's like marriage and family was never put up in front of the women. You know, they wouldn't down it or dismiss it. It was, but there was always like, get in that best college, you know,、yeah. get that job, and you know, just keep hammering away. And and it was just, and I thought that's a real tragedy that you never. Heard that? It hit me years later. I said, because I remember one of the girls in my class got married like right out of high school, and she went up. I think she had like five children, and she was a devout Protestant. But I, I remember people questioning that, and even like her friends and another devout Christian, just questioning. I guess her being so young or whatever. But I think we're seeing、yeah. a shift in that. I think yeah, the next generation.、Yeah. So like my ten-year-old. Ever since she was a little kid, she still tells people、mm. she's going to get married when she's eighteen, and、yeah. she's going to have at least two sets of twins.、Mm-hmm. And like, she just wants to be a mom. Like,、yeah. that's her goal in life, right? right? right. And and I think that we're seeing like, I think through motherhood, like、mm-hmm. honestly,、um, getting married. Like, I felt beautiful my wedding day、yeah. and my wedding dress,、yeah. and、um, I think my husband like like learning the masculine, feminine,、um, and I, and I still I.、Um, Yeah, I feel like I I'm still working on it, but I think through being a mom, like through,、yeah. it brings out that yeah. yeah yeah having a life in,、yeah. inside of you that、yeah. you're responsible for that's right. growing, right. being able to feed this、yeah. child like、right. it's it's just pure gift, and、right. I um and obviously there's a lot of feminine women that are not mothers yeah, yeah. um but I think so much of the the gifts and strength I think we see through motherhood yeah and we see it modeled、um, I was talking to someone earlier about、um, sometimes people being upset over things so like people that don't like the breastfeeding Madonna、mm-hmm. it's like okay so is this something that's wrong with her、uh-huh. Our Lady who's beautiful、right. and perfect、right. giving milk、mm-hmm. to the The Lamb of God, <laughs> right? Breastfeeding Jesus.、Uh-huh. This is beautiful and amazing,、yeah. and you have you're upset by seeing this.、Mm-hmm. So, is that something to do with her or you? Right. I think it's the way things have been twisted. Yeah. Right. And I think that we're also told, okay, to be a strong woman, you have to 
like be a priest mm -hmm. you know like i've had so many people be like i don't get it you're like a really strong woman like are you not angry you can't be a priest right, I'm like, right. no i don't yeah. want to be a priest yeah like i have no <laughs> desire to be a priest it doesn't i mean good for yeah. you i'm yeah. glad you're that but yeah. i that wouldn't be using my gifts and talents yeah. yeah i had a friend of mine that he didn't see why women couldn't be priests and i said I said, they're running the church anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Any typical Every church. Every church has a little <laughs> church woman who's literally yeah. running it. Yeah, and they're like, they're like in so many activities. And, you know, they literally, I mean, just about any parish, you can start any kind of initiative you want. If they don't want it, the next church will. You know, you can always find some home for something you want to start and do. And most pastors I know, you know, if you're halfway normal, they'll say, go to it. You know? Yeah. And it's like, so, I don't know. It's, uh, I mean, I appreciate the feminine energy and stuff. And, uh, and to their, their emphasis on uh, things, the, the needs they recognize. And oftentimes involving like the person that they need help with this ministry needs mm -hmm. to happen. And they're, you know, the one-on-one -on -one stuff, especially. And, uh, and so it, it, in fact, you know, even like reflecting on Mother Angelica's life, reading some of the, the Vatican II document, it was a document, but a letter to women. Oh, I love that letter. Yeah, and it's like, you know, now is a time yeah. that we see these new opportunities for women yes. that they can do all this. And, and Women then, embedded with the spirit of the gospel can do yeah. so much to aid humanity in not falling. Yeah. Humanity is fallen and in flames. And I think, the, I think part of the solution is women. Yeah. I yeah. think John Paul II is onto something, and I yeah. think there's a healing that needs to happen. And I think same with the the sexual scandal and all of that. I think there is a healing and a gentleness that will come from women that um, the maternal are capable of. That um, it's just it's different. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. And we need we need both. And I yeah. remember talking to a girl who was um, abused um, in the church. And she had a meeting with the priest and she mm. was explaining to him. And um, there was a sister that came and she put her arm around the girl mm. and the priest was apologizing. So the priest is across the desk, the girl's sitting here and there's a nun beside her. Mm. And it was, she talked about how beautiful and healing it was just sharing yeah. her story. Mm -hmm. And she's like having this man apologize who didn't do anything to me, but yeah. he represented the man who did do right, something to right. me. Him apologizing, me receiving that. And then this woman feeling my pain weeping with me mm -hmm. and it was just really um powerful and mm -hmm. um yeah 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 and like it, a fullness there to transform the culture and the masculine yeah. and the feminine and even you know i realize this like in politics with the heated polit political races for the presidency and then like some of the women coming forward and you know, obviously, I don't, I don't, I don't like their solutions of abortion, you know, throw a bunch of condoms, or whatever at them. But they were focused on these issues. They were talking about these issues as front and center, you know, family issues, ch yeah. children issues, and it's like, I thought that's what they bring, you know, especially to the table. That kind of focus of, hey, this is a problem we got to work on. I got to find a solution here. Yeah. You know, maybe the, the men are pushing something else. Or, the war in the Ukraine or something. I don't know. <laughs> Nuclear bombs dropping out. I don't know. But uh, yeah, it, it needs both, right? Oh, yeah. To Definitely. humanize, to civilize the culture. And uh, so, well, thank you so much for talking with us. Hey, and, you're welcome. Uh, I know you want to get to the chapel and pray. So we'll yes. let you go. Thank you so much.